Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. everybody episode 45 of the drunken Taoist podcast it's rich alone again in los angeles while Bolelli and his lovely baby is enjoying a little more time in italy they'll be heading back shortly as we uh get ready to start year three of the drunken Taoist podcast unbelievable summer is flying past the world cup is over football practice has begun for those of us in the state and we'll all be going back to school very soon so we've got a great interview today with our pal Arthur Rosenfeld, also known as the Douse Monk Yunro. Uh, he's got quite the uh, heavy message to hand out to the world and, and a great presentation for it. So we'll let him uh, get what he wants to say up and running. But first, got to take care of a little bit of business. And that begins with our very first and most loyal sponsor, Dr. Sarah, maker of awesome hemp bags and backpacks and geese, and they are strong and long-lasting. We've had ours running for over 18 months, and I don't have a tear one in any of them. Uh, Mold-resistant because they're made of hemp. And hemp is good for the planet. We all know that. Uh, some of the bigger bags come with a nasty bag, which is when you got some nasty, funky, sweaty stuff from the gym and you don't want it to interact with your nice, clean clothes that you have in the bag. Well, you shove that into the nasty bag and seal it up so you don't have to get any funk intermingled with your clean clothes. It's a great concept, and uh, they come right along with the larger bags. Geese, uh, backpacks, what more could you ask for? Chris O'Dell, always kind to us, and we sure appreciate it. Dr. Sarah, check it out and get you some awesome awesome hemp gear and there's of course bennett and our friends at sure design t-shirts i just got my first few of the awesome hemp designs i can't really tell which one my favorite is i think the durban poison may be my favorite right now but they are awesome colorful the designs are great the acapulco gold is awesome the the white widow is also nifty i mean they all have their sort of vibes that go along with the culture that represent and i had no idea og was uh ocean grown in some places but Awesome t-shirts. That's not all they have. They also have the awesome Ganesh designs and lots of Buddhist stuff and cool dresses for the ladies. So be sure to check them out. Sure design on the internet and tell Bennett that the Drunken Taoist sent you. For sure. Remember, happy nipples make a happy world. Onnit.com, home of the eclectic blend of goodies from nootropic supplements like the quite fine and awesome Alpha Brain, which I like. Good for uh, when you need a little extra boost at night. I'm not, you know, kind of something to keep you going, keep the keep the brain 
producing awesome ideas when you're in kind of a creative slump. I mean, it's just, it really seems to be helpful. Different folks have different results for sure. Um, Bellelli loves the hemp force choco maca. He mixes that up with the hemp shake in the morning. Uh, and they got kettlebells, both normal and freaky for working out. Their newest product are their bamboo t-shirts. They're actually 70% bamboo and 30% cotton. And the thought is bamboo is the fastest growing plant on the planet and very renewable, happy to grow in most any climate and really could uh, help things out a little bit. Renewable is important. Hemp for your bags. Bamboo for your t-shirts. We're really making headway out there, guys. Um, check it all out. AubreyMarcus'sOnIt.com O-N-N-I-T dot com. And of course, if you find yourself needing to order something online and stumble onto the old Amazon area, be sure to take a second, click to the Drunken Taos website. We have an Amazon portal there. When you click on that, we get a tiny taste of the evil corporate blood money that's being handed around by the Amazon folks to help keep the show going a little bit. So we always appreciate that. Every little thing keeps it going because we sure like doing the show. And uh, the numbers tell us that you guys like to listen to it. So... We'll be back to full strength in a couple days. As usual, the you know discount codes will uh, appear in the episode notes uh, at thedrunkentowers.com, so check that out. Uh, quick update. Team Drunken Taoist at Kiva.org now has over 400 loans out in the world. That's over $12,000 worth of loans to folks so that somebody can have their life a little easier, maybe get something they need to help them you know, improve their status. It's quite an awesome thing. I invite everybody to join. You can buy Kiva cards and send them out to your friends so that they can get a first taste. It's an awesome way to help out those who need a hand. As far as helping your fellow man out, our guest today... Arthur Rosenfeld, here to introduce his manifesto aimed at healing the planet, reducing human misery, and starting a spiritual revolution. Let's face it, folks, the man is out to save the world, and who are we to not help him out? So, here he comes, Arthur Rosenfeld, a.k.a. the Taoist monk, Yunro. My monk, why you got my monk up right now? <laughs> There's the open. Okay, before before we have to have him calm down with some <laughs> chemicals. Welcome back. It's the interview. It's your intro. I started. <laughs> Woo! Back here with us, Mr. Arthur Rosenfeld for round two. Arthur, good seeing you. Happy to be here. Mr. Rich, yes, how are you today? I'm well. Okay. You are telling me something in the car. Please bring the everyone else who was in the car with us up to speed. So I have a, a Zen Roshi friend of mine. Studies Tai Chi with me. Been friends for a long time. Great guy. He makes a good contribution. He goes to prisons and helps uh, people who are in there for life. Death row inmates and uh, other serious transgressors uh, find a little peace through meditation and handle what they've got in front of them and uh, been there a few times and helped him out and done it and I and I sent him a pricey uh, synopsis of this new project I got going on which we hope we'll talk about today the spiritual SWAT team and I wanted his uh, 
his reaction to it. And in fairness, as I said to you in the car, if you bait a bear trap with the bear's favorite food, put it where the bear lives, and design it so only bears can get in, then you pretty much know you're going to catch bears. So when I sent out the uh, information about this site and the manifesto on which it is based to get call to action and get a group of like-minded individuals together, I, I selected you know some folks to send the, the manifesto to, 108 points about what's wrong with the world and what we should do about it. And he, he called me up and I said, do you read the manifesto? He said, yeah. I said, and what do you think? He said, uh, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot of telling. And I said, uh, as opposed to sitting quietly in Zen meditation as the bombs fall around you? And I mean, he said, I'm just saying, you know, it's pretty up your nose. And I go, good, thank you. And he's a bit taken aback by that because this is not his style. But I'm taking it to be great, great news that he gauges it to be a call to action. So, But in his book, a call to action is a bad thing. Well, maybe. maybe. Um, you know, I think I don't, I don't want to indict meditation as a way of handling things. But I do want to say that Taoism and Tai Chi practice, that marvelous martial art based so inextricably and beautifully on Taoism, is not a yin art, which is what everybody says it is, um, any more than Taoist philosophy is a yin philosophy, meaning we get soft, we get fuzzy, we, we grab our teddy bear, and as the guy comes through the door with his 45 blazing we stroke the teddy bear and smile peacefully this is not us in fact the the, the philosophy and the uh, martial art um, um, which which is based on that philosophy is a yin yang art it that means that when yin is required yin is provided when yang is required yang is provided so uh, the spiritual SWAT team is my response when a yang response is required And that's why, because I mean, in the whole Taoist thing is the accent is gets to be put on the yin a lot, just because every freaking person understands yang. It's already a given, you know, most people get it. And so that's why it's necessary. But you're absolutely right. There's this, the whole thing is not about being just purely soft. It's about knowing what energy is called for in any given situation, which means, as you say, both yin and yang. And I think part of the whole reason why people think is, oh, this is all about this very yin, passive, mellow thing is only as a counter emphasis to the fact that so many people are involved in pure action, muscle, try harder, push this and that. But then again, that's not really what Taoism is about or Tai Chi is about. It's one aspect of it that's extremely important and not the only one. In our culture, in modern Western culture, and certainly in America, most of all, both yin and yang are present, but they are both present as a manipulation. Mm -hmm. The yang is present when the levels of competition and stress rise so high that the only way to get the job done, the only way to win the rat race, is to bring in your yang and all, all 
barrels blazing, all fists uh, brought to bear and feet, yelling and screaming and running and moving fast and doing what you need to do. Not in in a survival mode, not in a running from the tiger mode, but on a daily basis. The, so the, in one way, our societal and cultural mores and values cause an unnatural rise in yang mm-hmm. because of, you know, we, we were talking earlier, and I, I want to come back to this because yin is used the same way. Yin is used to, to control. When, when people tell you to calm down, it's usually because they're intimidated, they're upset, they don't, they're uncomfortable with what you're saying, they don't want to hear it. And it's not necessarily because you're going to bash them in the head. It may be because you're ranting about something that they know is true, but they don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so the yang, the yang happens when we are in this uh, overpopulated, hyper-competitive world. And you know, before we started uh, the, the show today, the podcast today, we were talking about uh, my my little turtle pool. This is a lesson that I learned very, very early in my life. Nine, ten years old, I had a little waiting pool, and I used to go to the pet shop with my 20 cents a week allowance. I would save it up, and I would go and buy a turtle from some exotic location. And, and I had, you know, flap-shelled turtles from the Ganges River in India and some diamond-back terrapins from the South Carolina coast and on and on. And, and when I reached a certain number of these turtles in the wading pool, which was in my parents' apartment in New York City, they were very forbearing. At 10, all was well. But if I went and got one more turtle, the next morning something would be dead. And it, didn't, it wasn't necessarily the new one, but it was just, you know, the level of ability of that pool to support turtles was capped at 10. And this was just a concept that nobody had ever taught me, and I learned it, and then I discussed it with a very influential biology teacher that I had in ninth grade, and he helped me understand about ecology. And my whole career took a big turn in this direction, sort of understanding this. So when I see now that you know the human race kind of growing like a cancer on the planet with no natural limits, and we're knocking down every natural constraint, nature fights back with all kinds of things from behaviors to disease to war to automobiles everything that kills us on mass you can count on it is part of the planet's way of trying to survive us the way a, a body would try to survive a cancer and young behavior over over young is the overt manifestation of overpopulation over competition not enough resources scrambling scrambling everybody feels added to the cultural values that emphasize material, money, more all the time, not Sharp. not being like water, not finding pleasure in spiritual things or in your relationships, but in stuff and stuff and stuff and going, doing, having all the time. So that's the yang. But the yin also can be overdone because when people want you to shut up, as I said a minute ago, you know, they say, calm down, calm down. And then there is a cost to too much yang and there is a cost to too much yin and the cost of too much yin is that your anger your outrage your moral sense these things fester in you they fester in all of us if we are awake and paying attention to what is happening in the world whether it is fanatics taking little girls hostage 
or whether it is the decimations of the last vestiges of natural rainforest in Ecuador or anywhere else, you know, these kinds of things should and must create outrage in us mm-hmm. that leads to some action. It's not sure. enough. It's not enough to have do a lecture online. It's not enough to do a TV show. It's not enough to tell your friends, hey, isn't that terrible? And everybody raises a beer going, cluck, cluck, cluck. Yeah, that's really bad. But you actually have to do something. So, you know, this this spiritual SWAT team program of mine is designed to get like-minded people together who actually care enough to not just talk, but to actually do. Why was uh, Mr. Zen bummed out of shape about it? I, I think once I explained you know, the super short version of what I just said to mm-hmm. you, to him, then he was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But his first reaction, which is kind of a knee-jerk reaction, was simply that this kind of presentation and this kind of activist work is not his style. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I respect that. Um, I, I don't agree with it, but I'm not him and he's not me. You know, we each have our own little path. One of my students said to me, uh, wow, he read the manifesto, he goes, wow, you know, Seems like um, you're not really, you know, you're not really keeping your cool over this. But, you know, I, I know in Tai Chi, you know, we're supposed to be so cool and be, keep our, you know, our, the, the Taoist term is our wuji about it, you know, our, our emotional equilibrium. And I looked at him and I go, hmm, okay, how about this? Creating a community of like-minded people who will do something to help the problems is my way of keeping my equilibrium. This is exactly what is required for me to do to keep cool. Otherwise, you know, feelings build up <laughs> in an unhealthy way. Well, and the clock is ticking. You know, <laughs> it's way past too late. 30 years of waiting for the trickle down to trickle down and all the other things. We don't have a lot of time anymore, and it really feels like, especially Citizens United and those sort of things, where the guys with the money looks like they could grab power for all time. If it's going to happen in a decently nonviolent way of just sort of switching the way we do things, the moment's now. Because if it goes any further, there is no other way to pull it off. That's why it is, uh, oh, go with the flow, blah, blah, blah. When, when you take good ideas and you take them too far... That's where, you know, you want a Zen lesson. Let me give you a Zen lesson. Just come here one second. Whack! You know, that's the good old slap of the Zen master. Just go back. That's not Zen. That's bullshit. You know, there's a difference. Just remember that going with the flow, um, it has been my experience that these Taoist principles always obtain. And that when they don't obtain, when they don't apply, when they seem to be wrong, it is because, A, we don't understand them clearly, or B, we are doing something incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, we, are, we are applying them poorly. So when you talk about going with the flow, absolutely spiritual SWAT is going with the flow. It just so happens that at this moment, the, the flow is a class five rapid. Right. right? But it's still yep. the flow. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Agreed. That's what I mean. Is like that's the real deal versus the idealized uh, new age image of what we're going with the flow is that's why to me it's like labels don't tell me anything about a person whether somebody say they are a christian fundamentalist or they are i'm into zen or i'm a Taoist, i'm whatever the fuck it doesn't really mean much because those are just words is how you apply them how even when 
people pay sometimes too much attention to words where it's like, oh, I use those words too. We, we must mean the same thing. And it's like, we use the same words. We do not mean the same thing. I may sound like that on a superficial level, but when we really look deep, not only when you look deeper into the message, but even when you just look at the human being, one person is saying one thing, the other person is saying the same thing. I agree with one, I disagree with the next. Is it because I'm a moody bastard? No, because the, there's a difference in what's beyond the words that are used. There's something deeper going on there. And that's what, to me, all the whole difference is about. So when you talk about words mm-hmm. having inherent limitation, of course, the first stanza of the Tao Te Ching recognizes exactly this and says the Tao that can, we can speak and describe is not the real thing any more than, and here I, of course, paraphrase, any more than the word moon is the moon. Right. Obviously, the word love, you know, what does that mean? Sure. It means one thing to Rich, one thing to Daniele, one thing to me, one thing to our friend over there, one thing to our friend over there, you know, whatever. The point is, of course, that this also brings me right straight to the door of the question of spirituality versus religion. Because ah, so re- re- and, and I saw this, I saw some little, um, some little one of those Facebook poster things the other day that says that that you know religion was somebody else's um, direct experience and spirituality is your own, and I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I made some comment on it, which you know immediately started a firestorm of whatever. But the point is that these ideas. When we have a spiritual awakening, and and I want to think, I want to address. Since you've been doing Sunday school, um, I'd like, <laughs> which I so enjoy, learning those things. I, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, have a, a Sunday school lesson on the idea of hegemony of God giving us dominion mm-hmm. over you know the birds and the beasts and the world and all that. Somehow, I have trouble believing that the original intention of that description, whether it was spoken by Jesus or anyone else, I have trouble believing. I think it's an Old Testament thing, right? So it's yeah, much longer. Genesis. Before. Genesis, yeah. So so whoever was was, uh, was being quoted, whether this was God's words or somebody l- listening to him, I, I don't know. But I have trouble believing that the original intent of that was to turn the world into your personal radioactive toilet until it's dead. Well, there is a theory, actually. And by the way, just for disclosure's sake, I am not endorsing this theory because I like to keep living and I don't want to be shot. But there is a theory, agnostic theory, that argue, which, by the way, for those of you guys who can't understand what I'm saying, agnostic and agnostic are two different things. There's no A in this one. This is like an early... Christian heresy. G-N-O-S. Exactly. Yeah. And there's uh, the Gnostic idea is that the God of the Old Testament is not a figment of the imagination, is absolutely real, and is a demon. And everything that's contained in it is designed to multiply human suffering. So in that sense, the direction of submit the earth and turn it to what you want it to be is perfectly fitting with what a demon would tell you to do in order to screw up your life. Wow. 
Well, that is a that is a <laughs> again. That is a twist. I have, that isn't a twist I have not heard before. So it's total. They, they're not denying the existence. It's absolutely and totally real, yeah. and that's the bad guy. Yeah. Okay. He explains well, three and a half hour masses on a great, gorgeous Sunday spring morning, morning when you're yes. trapped inside. That's well, for sure. So let, let's just for a moment take again. a more positive <laughs> spin on this. It's just just a wild detour from sure. that, and say that you know whatever the whatever the original intent was was you know by whoever wrote it mm-hmm. um down right in a document and a scroll or whatever that we fuck we up human call. life forever yeah. yes i mean I, I i think that whoever wrote it had in mind i let me say this i don't think i don't know mm-hmm. i hope that what the intention was was that rather than hegemony and rather than this being yours the intent was it's your responsibility, mm-hmm. and it's here for you to nurture and support. And in fact, there's a really interesting development in Christian theology over the last few decades as environmentalism is clearly becoming more important. And so the old approach to Christian ecology, which was an awful one, which was, uh, you know, you have dominion over the earth, everything that exists out there is basically stuff for you to grab so that you can use it. It's sort of the supermarket theory of the universe. Plants, animals, is all just products that you can use as you see fit. So get the chopping. Exactly. There's it, that. It, 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 as as a as a material capitalist yeah. interpretation of of some biblical original spiritual message, what you say just makes perfect sense. That's how it was perverted. And uh, what happens is there are many Christians today who are sweet, what nice people who don't really like that message and don't want to believe that that's Christianity and they may be right because one of the things that they do is they dig up passages from the Bible that go in a very different direction and they do hint more at what you are talking about which is the whole notion that if uh, the earth is God's creation by destroying the earth you are doing the most horrible form of blasphemy you can think of because you are destroying what God's creation is all about and the passage that you are quoting from Genesis, they interpret it in the completely opposite way from the exploitative, take everything you want out of nature. They interpret it more as responsibility as you have control over nature as in you are in charge of making sure that everything is okay. And so again, it's a 180 interpretation showing you again back to that theme of words and label that they don't really mean anything. When somebody tells you the Christian viewpoint on environmentalism is, it's already a lie because there's no single Christian viewpoint on environmentalism. There are some Christian viewpoints on environmentalism that are the reason why things are fucked up, that are horrible and terrible. There are other Christian viewpoints that are equally by sincere Christian who truly believe it and quote the right passages that argue the exact opposite. To me, it's not a matter of who's right and wrong. Is one, if they prevail, will lead to the destruction of the earth. If the other guys prevail, if their theological interpretation is more successful, they may lead to be able to actually have a sustainable living on Earth. So I like one and right, don't like exactly. the other for practical reasons. Now, you know, you can take the first of all, you know, Old Testament meaning this was a Jewish idea. Sure. Right. So, no, so we're, we're, you know, we're hammering on the Christians about this, but really nothing, n- nothing to excuse the Jews from it either, and and. I, nor, nor the Gnostic demon hunters. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I would like to say that this this spiritual SWAT thing, this manifesto, this website, is very is, is a Taoist mm-hmm. website. Now, I don't make it, you know, overtly religiously Taoist because that's not my interest. My interest sure. is in simply applying 
Taoist principles to understanding how, uh, in this case, we're talking about environment, um, environment, but also lots of other things from economics to health care, uh, to how we treat the elderly, to human rights, women's rights, the rights of indigenous populations, all kinds of things. It's a big, it's a big manifesto. It casts a very wide net. But the overall principles that cohere all these points together uh, are Taoist ideas of harmony, balance, equilibrium, uh, compassion, fairness. And although I'm sure that something uh, there are other places where many of the points on the manifesto uh, can be found. They may not be expressed exactly the same way, but but the points are there. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly not uh, the the first one to think of all these things. I may be the first one to put them all together in one single document and one website, saying people, if you if you buy into you know some or all of these things, then you know join us to help make a better world. But of course, I know that I'm the first to put it together in Taoist terms. Mm-hmm. So it is, you know, it has this dual uh, uniqueness. One is we put all the ideas together in one place um, that are like-minded. And two, I try my best to frame them in ways that, uh, you know, seem Taoist in terms of balance and harmony and compassion. Make perfect sense. Well, it's just, it's not a stretch to think that, hey, wouldn't it be neat if my grandchildren might be able to taste a bluefin tuna one day, you know, and... <laughs> These aren't, and that all fits very nicely into it, Taoist or not. I mean, it's just, it's really more common sense than anything. You know, Sun Tzu, um, the, uh, Sun Tzu, the author of The Art of War, this famous military uh, text, which um, he was clearly influenced by Lao Tzu. You know, there's some people who say he was a student of Lao Tzu, and in one of my novels I actually yep. cast him as a yep. student of Lao Tzu. But, but um you know, one one again. I I paraphrased the Chinese presentation to say that you know the, in his view, the most successful campaign, military campaign, is the one where we reach the hearts and minds of the enemy in such a fashion that they willingly hand over their resources and sure. to to us without ever having to. F- you know, let loose an arrow or fire yep. a cannon. Yep. And, and you know, this is where that, that famous documentary about hearts and minds about Vietnam, um, you know, th- they all draws from uh, Sun Tzu's idea. So if we look, for example, at the ocean, um, I, I can't remember what number the ocean is in here of my 108. Rich, maybe you can I'll find, find it, it for you. But um, we, look, we look at the ocean, and... And we consider that what we are doing, since you mentioned a blue tin, fin tuna, what we're doing to the ocean is clearly a conquering, genocidal extermination of everything that lives in the ocean. Yep. Now, so, if forget for a moment that if we destroy the ocean, we all die. Right. Because we have no phytoplankton, we have no oxygen, and we have no food supply. Um, never mind that we have no place to swim and be at the beach with our kids because if we stick a toe in the acid will burn our skin off because that acidification is what's going on now and leaving the ocean to the jellyfish i've actually been to a few places already uh, where the jellyfish populations have so burgeoned in response to this acidification but anyway the point is from a from a taoist point of view this is a genocide it is a complete it is a more like what genghis khan did sure than, than what a thinking rational campaign of any kind militarily would be to conquer. So 
Genghis Khan was not interested in the resources of, of the Chinese or mm -hmm. anyone else in their path. They were simply interested in the utter and total annihilation of anyone who wasn't with Genghis Khan, wasn't a Mongol. Bones, mountains of bones, piled up like, you know, hundreds of feet, just piled up corpses of bones, no interest in taking anything, no interest in turning the population, in using creativity, human energy, craftsmanship, craftsmanship, tradesmanship, nothing, right? Just, just utter annihilation. This is exactly what we're doing to the ocean. So what is the net end result of that? There is only one result of this. We don't gain any hearts and minds. We don't gain bluefin tuna for our grandchildren. It is utter and complete annihilation, extinction. There will be no more bluefin. There will be no more any other things that some of us like to eat. And I am not even getting into the ethics of eating animals in a world where uh, our consciousness is supposed to be raised and we don't need to create needless suffering. There's no reason for it anymore. We have plenty of resources and technology to feed everybody without doing that. That's a whole separate argument. And I do make an argument for a plant-based diet ethically and in terms of resources. But just, just thinking about the oceans as this is an utter genocidal extermination. Drift nets that catch... For every pound of fish we eat at the sushi bar, 26 pounds are killed and thrown away of by, you know, bycatch, byproduct. Um, you know, this, this is, it's a, it's a mad, crazy frenzy of behavior. And you know why? Because the demon that has been whispering in the ears of human beings since day one. It's the demiurge, man. Yes. It's the demiurge. Because uh, people listen. Ooh. Boy, I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, who the hell knows? The Gnostic stuff, because now that's going to prey on me. Like, wow, really? I wonder if the Gnostics were right. Well, that's stuff. the thing. I don't know, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's not like I know, but, but it's I mean, interesting. It does look like it. It does look like it, it sometimes, because really? it's like you can't believe that human beings would be just that stupid, you know, considering that we are not, we are relatively smart species. You know, mm. there's a lot of stuff that we can do right. It amazes you when you see this level of stupidity. You start thinking, is it really stupidity or is there really something else at play? Is we, it really there's some kind of evil force out there that's pushing it? But, you it? know, this question of is it stupidity, I mean, I, I think it's more complicated. For example, what about the armies of Genghis Khan? Mm -hmm. Now, were there not soldiers who would enter these cities and look at a bunch of beautiful girls and would think, uh-huh, nope. Kill Boom. Them Kill them all. Chop off their heads. Can't have any fun with them. Can't even abuse them. Can't even rape them. Can't even. We're not even getting that. We're just killing them. And were there not tacticians? No, the rape part, they were pretty well yeah, developed in probably, that regard. Yeah, probably they did that right. before they chopped out that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point, I suppose. But <laughs> but I, I, I think, you know, what I'm getting at here is that the there must have been an underlying cosmology in the mind of the Mongol which said that whatever resources are available to us here, human resources that we are now wasting, um, whatever physical resources, because they burned every city down, sure. so it wasn't just killing everybody. Right. They raised things to the ground. Whole places were sacked, Samarkand, yep. an incredible incredible trading center. They just went through and leveled it. Yep. Why? They could have had it been all theirs. They could have gotten the profit. They could have had all the beautiful goods. They could have had the spices and blah. no. There must have been something in the mind of the Mongol, and I'm not an expert on Mongols. I'm 
I, I, I'm picking on them because they, I guess, in this context, deserve to be picked on. Um, there must have been something in the in the mind of the monk which said, "No, no, no, all of that stuff is no good." And and you know, the corollary is there must be something absolutely so innately destructive in our genes, in our culture, in the myriad cultures that are doing this. Because it's not just Americans that are doing it; everybody's doing it. The Japanese are out there with of the course. whales, and the Chinese are killing anything that moves, and on and on and on. So the question is, what is it? What defect is there in human DNA that is asking us, making a value set which says it's better to treat each other this way and absolutely destroy the world than it is to go? Oh, wait a second, maybe I don't want to kill the last two tuna. So the Mongols didn't; they weren't setting an example with those first sort of mega city destructions to win the hearts and minds in reverse that no. oh shit they oh. didn't care about setting an example they, they they just kept going like a tide killing 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 wow. you would think you know initially uh, observers thought that's exactly what they were doing but then it turned out that you know the next line of defense the next line of territory the next town they weren't looking for um, everybody to lay down their arms they just went in and killed them if they laid down their arms they killed them if they didn't lay down their arms they killed them they, you know and again and this is the last time I go there because this otherwise I'm having too much fun with this but I think what happened is that when they lay to sleep in their felt tents after hugging their horse and kissing goodnight and you know while holding a broadsword under the pillow and laying on the pillow for sleep the wind picked up and when you start hearing the howling of the wind and they start falling asleep and into the felt tent they start hearing a whisper in the wind that say kill them all kill them all and the demon is speaking and uh, don't forget the yak butter soaked felt tent of course (laughs) and by the time they wake up they're like huh i guess kill them all sound like a good idea and it's the demon man so okay if it's the demon if it's the mongols if it's you know the the last of the tuna here's and and i think again about my zen friend who there's nothing i use the term spiritual swat team not to suggest uh, a violent solution but rather to get people's attention with the word swat which really connotes experts professionals focused action competence doing something now mm-hmm. so you know um if if your kid uh you know if if you went into the bank to make a deposit and you brought your kid along and uh, all of a sudden guys burst in with their with automatic weapons and they everybody on the floor and then they grab your kid and 10 other kids in there and they take them hostage and and, and you know are you going to want to sit and meditate on this um you know no the Buddhists went to war too. The Shaolin monks were Buddhists. They're really good fighters. They fought for and against emperors at different times in Chinese history. And you know, you're going to want the SWAT team, right? You, want, you listen. If somebody, if the pendulum swung so far, if the if the water is a class five rapids now, if the pendulum went that far, in order to come back to the still place, in order, I know I'm mixing my metaphors, but hopefully it's clear. In order to come back to clean, you know, still water, the pendulum has to swing all the way the other way for us to get back to equilibrium, to center. And right now, from my point of view, and not just my point of view, we are really, really in an extreme place. When you, Rich, when you said earlier that we don't have a lot of time, I mean, you know, I'm not sure there's enough time, but you know, it's really, really, so this spiritual SWAT team idea is just to get people motivated to so not what do just you do? talk. 
what do you do? Well, so, you Beside know, the theory of the 108 points that you laid in the manifesto that they will make you know sense but in terms of beside people reading it because again right, right, right. Wh- what you want is not just people to read it oh, yeah. what you want is action what are you envisioning because so, it's a terrible problem i'm sorry to interrupt because i think more than anything our society is completely hypnotized we are go to work sheep. watch the television sheep eat more garbage yeah yeah so those the, are hard to motivate. Yeah, the first, I mean, the the manifesto that we're talking about is a document that will be available on the website, and there will be people who will click on it and look at it. There will be people who will read every word of 108 points of it. There will be people who read like you know, bop around like hyperlink and one thing to the other and get the gist, and that's enough. There will be people who won't really bother with it. Um, the idea right now is to build a community, not only of people who agree with this kind of discussion we're having now, but who would actually like to help and would actually like to do something. So step one, of course, is to gather the army, if mm-hmm. you will, right? The sort To make the spiritual SWAT team, I need warm bodies. We need sure. people. And, and, you know, the next step, of course, is to focus on individual issues that are in the manifesto, for example, the human rights issue or the oceans issue, and, and, and to try to figure out what charities, what groups are doing the best work to help them either financially or with, or with effort, um, to come up with action plans of our own, that things that we want to go and do. Right. And, it, and this may include civil disobedience, mm-hmm. if that's what's required to get things done, to bring, uh, you know, sort of shake up the the system a little bit and get people to pay attention. So, you know, there, this is a multi-step process, but the first thing is just to create the community of people who care. So is there going to be a 108 part two, meaning like the 108, uh, like beside the, this is the problem and this is what, we need to do something about this issue, which shows up a lot in the 108 and is good because it raises, you know, right. it, it presents what the battlefields are. Is the next 108 then, uh, what the actual strategy for going into battle is and the tactics to be used. So in the 108, actually, there are quite a few solutions proposed. Mm-hmm. In fact, almost everyone has something concrete to, to be done about it. The, next, the very next step will be the creation of forums. So like the way Reddit is organized mm-hmm. into you know, subreddits, the idea will be to organize, um, to clump these things. Like, so for example... Um, human rights or women's rights or the ocean or uh, trade in endangered species. I want to come up with sort of different ways of grouping them that speak more to the the philosophical and emotional underpinning rather than the the category. Mm -hmm. So, for example, number 50 out of 108, why not have our media heroes be lovers rather than killers, their actions be compassionate rather than dispassionate, their goals peace rather than victory at any cost? So when you say, you know, it's, it, the manifesto is not just stating a problem. It's actually stating a problem and then making a suggestion. Sure. That doesn't mean it's the only suggestion. But um, he, I guess where I, where I was going with that, I was thinking, you know, what you're saying right there, which makes sense, mm-hmm. is the next step is how do you go about it? What right. step should be taken for that to become a reality? You right. Know? So the subgroup, the idea in practical terms is that once these subgroups are created, I want forums. Mm-hmm. And, and that will stimulate the discussion. So, for example, 51, which follows that 50 about media heroes, is disrespect and abuse of the elderly. 
is a travesty against humanity and morality. How can we possibly discriminate against our very selves, against the people we will eventually become, against those who have lived longer than we have, learned more, shared more, and done more? Let's make it our business to venerate and treasure these members of society instead of dismissing them and to learn as much from them as we can. Let's work hard to eliminate workplace discrimination against them, to alleviate their loneliness and pain, and to stamp out nursing home abuse whenever it rears its ugly head. So the next one, you know, talks about children being abused and women. And, but in a, in a forum which is built around, for example, the subcategory of treating each other better, things will come up as people contribute. And as they do, the opportunity for action will emerge spontaneously, organically, like somebody will write, you know, I saw this terrible thing going on in my grandma's nursing home, and I want to, will, will 15 of you come and go there with me and sit outside with, with signs? Right. I mean, you know, so the, so the action, and, and this is a really a critical point about this, because I, I'm not interested in this manifesto, I'm not interested in this community being about me and my view. Sure. This is not follow Arthur. I don't even use my name on the site. Mm-hmm. I refer to myself as my Taoist uh, monk name, and and there's like three lines about me, right. and 25 pages about all this other stuff. The point is that it's not... I, I can't do this by myself. This is not action that I want. All I all I chose to do was to catalyze the community, and I am I have f- confidence and faith. I suppose is is the best word that when people are sufficiently motivated and when they're brought together with the focus that these kinds of subgroups will bring, that action will spontaneously arise as opposed to me sort of leading a charge of some kind in 108 different areas. That sounds very diffuse, difficult to organize, and far-fetched to me, whereas the organic contribution of people to a community seems very right. Right. What's funny is a lot of these things have kind of unique solutions that are going on right now, just people don't know about them. There's sort of a, there's a, there's a few uh, examples in the Valley where they're combining old folks' homes with daycare centers. So you get these older people that sit around lonely all day. Right. All of a sudden, they get to interact with these kids who sit around where it was 18 to 1 ratio. Now it's down to like a 3 to 1 ratio. Now, I don't mean every old, tired person in the nursing home, but there's definitely bell That's curve a fantastic wise, idea. A right? huge center section. Yeah. And I just don't think people have been so, exposed so to it So maybe enough. a community like this, you know, so, so for example, you're a member of the uh, you know, treat each other better uh, forum, and you write that you you know you write in. Hey, listen, I said about this in the valley, and then somebody goes, "Wow, yeah, let's do let's that. Go let's check do it that out. Let's here go do it in, in Santa Monica. Let's do it at right exactly." And what's amazing because I thought I thought I'd sort of invented that at one point, and then I did a little research and found that there's people attempting to do it, but they don't get the exposure they deserve because it's incredible, you know. And and on top of that, like, well, you're going to steal people's jobs. Not really in the valley. Um, a lot of the kids that end up going to this places are kids that are in some woman's house that's trying to help out her community but she can't handle 12 kids by herself during the day now you're getting because there's there's no greater waste of human potential than these nursing homes right and once again i'm not talking about the the dementia folks that just need to be taken care of there's just a huge amount of lonely folks that have been just dumped right that would happily tell stories, sing songs. This is exactly pictures. the subject of the, of, of the Mongols, right? Ignoring human resources and just wasting them. I mean, this is, this is it. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, something that annoys me. So as I, as I put this whole thing together and I was writing the manifesto, 
I did a little um, market research of the same uh, order as the bear and the bear trap and speaking to my Zen friend, but I carefully selected the people that I sent it to because not, I didn't select it for people I thought would like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I have I, I have students and friends I knew they would like it, but I actually selected people who I wanted to challenge me about it. And so one of those, and, and if somebody wrote back and said, wow, Arthur, you know, you, you really write well, there's nothing more irritating than that. I don't want to hear that I write well. Sure. It's not about my writing. This is about doing. Much is not a cult of personality. This is a call to action. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine, thanks very much. What did you think? What, are, would you On the other hand, when you guys email me, by all means, feel free to tell me how amazing I write. It always is <laughs> good for my ego and my self-esteem. So, yes. Well, you are a spectacular so, you know. That's true, but it's not, that's not no, what I brings, don't, don't. brings people to We were going to mention that next. Yeah, you are. You are. I told you when I read, your, when I read one of the first books of yours I read, The Warrior Path, I was thinking, God damn it. I should have ruined this. God damn it. I wonder if I wrote plain. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I gave it I, I don't want to use his name here, but I sent this manifesto to a famous economist mm-hmm. who wrote a spectacular book of uh, a few years ago, which I thought was so important that I ended up sending, I bought like 40 copies of it for Christmas and I gave it to everybody I knew. Um, and I expected him to totally, you know, either ridicule me or shoot holes in everything I said. And I was From the writer of Let Them Eat Cake. And I want I wanted it. I wanted it because I figured, you know, I'll, I'll use his comments to make it a little better and maybe maybe, maybe a lot better, you know. Mm-hmm. And and if he's got real reservations about some of the economic stuff that I talk about, um, political stuff about the redistribution of wealth and all that kind of thing, then you know, I, I want to hear it. Um, because I want to be prepared for that kind of thing. Right. And maybe I can fix it and improve it. And and you know, he wrote back Sign me up. I'm into it. I, and I'm like, I'm like, really? Wow. Wow. That was like the best response. I was fist pumping because I'm like, you know, because this is a guy I just expected to cut me to shreds over right. this stuff. And then he goes, bring it on, baby. I know you're talking about nice. sort of the, the yang influence. Can you feel it in the air in society now? I mean, the people are tired. I feel it in the air. I feel it when I walk, you know, onto an airplane and I go through the first class section on yes. my way to the to the. They're lucky they get off the, the plane. last row where I will be inhaling airline lavatory fumes for the next fifteen hours on my way to China tonight. Oh, excellent! <laughs> oh, fun! Yeah, yeah. but it's palpable, and I mean, I hear comparisons to 1968 to 19 yeah. no, to 1858. It's, Absolutely, but it could. Ha- we don't have to all grab our guns to make it happen. No, it, it and that's the whole point of this, way. right? SWAT team here, which is a great segue because you gave me the perfect opening, it's spiritual wisdom and tactics, not special weapons and tactics. Yeah. It's wisdom, not weapons. Wisdom, not weapons. I am not advocating for any kind of violent anything. I'm advocating for an evolutionary leap of consciousness. Yeah. You said weapons, right? Weapons and tactics. <laughs> Not weapons. Okay. Oh, sorry. But it is pretty. And you even mentioned that, you know, since we claimed out of the trees, we really, you know, we might walk upright nicely and be a little better with the thumbs. But other than that, we haven't really improved much. And and the underlying propulsive force to a website like this and to a conversation like this, I mean, the conversation is the first step, right? I mean, you really. 
we can diss the conversation, say, yeah, 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 talk is good, but action is better, and, and totally, absolutely. But without the conversation, you, know, yeah, you don't know you what don't to do. You don't even start. And right. because you can't do it yourself, you need the conversation sure. because you need to bring people in and have them join you and help. But here's the thing. The propulsive force of this is not even conversation, not even action. It's a larger thing. You know, I suppose the Gnostic demon uh, hunters would... I mean, God we to you. Uh, oh, yeah. God to you. Oh, I, I, there's a part of me that loves that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I suppose that that's a very nihilistic view of the world. I remember I had a conversation with my brother probably 20 years ago. We were in Death Valley hiking around together. Appropriate and for I the was, demon. Yes, well, exactly why. That's why maybe I remember it so clearly because we were looking at this sort of, you know, this furnace-like wasteland. And I was there to do some photography and I brought him along. And, you know, we get into this environmental conversation and I say something to him approximately like, you know, if we keep going the way we're going, this is what the whole planet's going to look like, right? And he looks at me and goes, uh-huh, so? And I'm like uh, 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 speechlessly shocked. I'm thinking about all the beauty, all the suffering, all right. the things that, you know, that, that would, we would lose and create and, and you know, for that in that eventuality did you grab and he, a rock and bash him no, in the no, head he, he no. just looked at me and he said you know but but this is really an important point about the difference between the arhat and the bodhisattva right he says maybe that's the plan maybe um i would grab exact, a rock that's exactly what's supposed to happen here and and you know i'm writing a novel right now about about this subject in terms of environment uh, artificial intelligence and whether this fascinating idea that our only purpose is to evolve to the point where we're making machines that make in turn more and more and more progressively more awake machines until such a degree of awareness is achieved that consciousness understands what it is and what is the purpose of the universe and that we are just a little way station along the way. And you know what? I'm okay with all that. I'm okay with that idea. But what I'm not okay with is while we're evolving that way, do we have to turn the oceans into a sewer? Do we have to burn and destroy everything in our path? I mean, evolving is great. The one thing you can count on is evolution, for sure. When we are gone, the scorpions, the cockroaches, and the tortoises will still be here. The earth is not going to end. We're not going to, even if we nuked everything, we would take out some little piece of the crust. We'd all be dead. We'd be in nuclear winter and the earth would keep on going and new things would evolve and bacteria living at a thousand degrees and things that ate radioactivity would, would evolve. Evolution is a given. The question is, can we have what Stephen Jay Gould, that wonderful Harvard uh, evolutionary biologist used to call uh, saltation, a jump he, he would look at the fossil record and would say, you know, you don't see the intermediate steps mm-hmm. between, um, you know, a, a dinosaur with wings and a dinosaur and a bird. What you see is, you know, a dinosaur and then you see a dinosaur with feathers, right? And he, he, his point was that from an evolutionary perspective, things leap. So I'm saying, and the purpose of this site, the underlying idea here is that if, if in my documentary on meditation that I made a few years ago, if a Harvard scientist can look at me and say meditation changes the brain here's a functional mri of a brain of a 20 year old a brain of a 50 year old notice the degradation and here's a brain of a 50 year old on meditation look it looks just like the 20 year old that's proof that ideas can structurally change us proof proof scientific proof not uh, arthur rosenfeld raving Taoist things a scientific proof so if that's true what we need 
is a a huge evolutionary leap of consciousness. Right. No, which is why I guess my participation in the that valley conversation would have been like the <laughs> you know what else may be meant to be? Me grabbing this rock and smashing it in your head. Isn't that meant to be? See, and mine would have been completely different. It would have been, yes, it looks desolate and empty, but let's flip that rock over and look at those little plants that somehow manage to survive. And if you dig ten feet and or if right. you dig a thousand feet Life has a way. Why is it that my response is always a homicidal one? I think maybe I do have problems. I think you've been hanging out with the Demiurge too much, so. Yes. thinking you missed your calling as a Gnostic minister. Yeah. Gnostic minister. I don't know, man. So your manifesto is more save the humans than anything. Like, because you're right, the earth doesn't give a shit. George Carlin famously said years ago, maybe we're just here to uh, give the earth plastic. And as soon as it gets enough, it's going to shake us off like a bad case of fleas. So. Right. Well, so it's not just save the humans number uh uh, i can't find it right now but i mean i don't i don't feel um unlike uh many other people that there is something so ah number 25 human beings are one kind of animal among many Unlike other creatures, we have moved away from our roots and become less and less sensitive to natural cycles and forces and more and more out of balance in terms of our thoughts and emotions and in terms of our place in the world. Because of our powerful weapons and tools, our most dangerous trait is our destructiveness. If we are to survive, balancing that trait with higher consciousness, temperance, compassion, and our unique brand of self-awareness is critical. I don't care just about people. I mean, I'm saying that, listen, uh, I am... I am I am disliked in many circles for saying often that I am not a huge fan of the human race. This is a rough thing to put on a on a podcast going out to thousands of listeners, but sorry, that's the way I feel. When I look at what we do, I'm like, wow. Now, do I am I a fan of you two guys? Yes. Am I a fan of many of my friends and family? Yes. But when it comes to the human race at large, I mean, you know, I love scarlet macaws and I love giant tortoises and I yeah, love all I said it wrong. I meant more about saving us from ourselves. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of other sentient beings on the planet. We are not the only ones. It may be that whales are smarter and know more than we do. How does that fit into Taoism? Because I think elephants are the same. I think dolphins are the same. And I'm sure many other crows seem to be amazing. Octopus seem to have amazing capacities to Absolutely. interact with each other. They may have a language of their skin flashes that we can't even, you know, bother to... Cephalopods are octopuses and they're squids. They're a completely different evolutionary path yep. to intelligence. And they're fantastic. Do you know we have something called the white gold rush going on right now in the ocean? That as of about eight years ago, so many squids showed up. And I'm pretty convinced it's because there's so few tuna to eat them anymore mm-hmm. that they can't scoop them out of the water fast enough. And they're also eating jellyfish. I think they I think they may eat jellyfish. I'm not sure about that, but I think they do. And the burgeoning jellyfish population from the acidification of the water is another reason they have a big food supply. Now. No, we better like jellyfish because that's going to be it. Mm-hmm. Jellyfish tastes yeah. good, by the way. Just throw it out there. Can, so. can you really eat it? I thought oh, yeah. it would just like, disintegrate some, when you try it. Yeah, yeah. Chinese, um, go to dim sum. They will give you jellyfish and not bad. Well, it's good that case. we like them because there's plenty to go, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. But through through Taoism, there's plenty of room for more sentient beings to maybe even come to the party. So this is like a really interesting point that your question and your point about about being angrier than than you thought. Mm-hmm. Um, in, Me in angry? Mar- in, never in martial arts study. There is 
you know, the difference between like Aikijutsu and Aikido. And similarly, between these fighting paths and, and between the way. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are really entranced just by the skull-crushing, butt-kicking part of the martial arts. And some people, which, by the way, is predicated on an us and them, me and you, me versus you, me being, like, for example, Musashi, mm-hmm. perfect example of this. Musashi, his whole idea, Miyamoto Musashi, you know, arguably the most famous Japanese swordsman in history, undefeated master of two swords, uh, a long one and a short one, right? Um, was really just interested in perfecting himself, his art. He saw himself as being completely separate and distinct from everything else, and all he wanted was competence and self-reliance. His anger, his focus was to perfect himself, perfect himself, perfect himself, and not think at all about being with or like or one of anybody else. He was an you know, an arch, competitive, violent individualist yep. who took the martial arts to a pinnacle level. But there were also other examples of martial artists who took a different turn, who thought, you know, it's not about perfecting my abilities so that I can impose my will on others or survive, but rather it's about reaching a level of realization where I discover that I am only a small part of a much larger thing and melding into the path, the way, the do, right. the Tao, right? And, and so, you know, in some respects, maybe what this whole SWAT team thing is about and, and why we're all sitting here together on a, on a, on a drunken Taoist podcast and, and, and fans of fighting arts and fans of, of Chinese philosophy is that maybe the evolutionary leap that we're talking about is from the, the jutsu to the do. Sure. From the path of, of separate and distinct to the path of everything is one. And that's where your answer comes, because once we see ourselves as no different than the dolphins or the elephants, then the whole discussion evaporates. And I think you make an excellent point. And going back to the point you made earlier about the um, uh, why not the lovers versus the killers as the role models and that kind of thing, I think there's a very delicate dance to be made there because what it is is if you go directly for the arrival point for what ideally one goes for for the way for the though for the lover for the more peaceful smart good nature approach you're right that's where you want to be but i feel like almost the process to get there you have to a knowledge and even find a healthy place for energies that don't fit with that because one of the things like for example one of the problems that many christians have always said is the fact that there has been this ongoing inferiority complex among lots of christians who feel that you know they have their testosterone going and they look at the, the basic dynamics of the religion and they're like I'm here worshipping some naked dude who's nailed to a cross, who is the ultimate, in some sense, and I don't mean it in any sense of disrespect, but is the ultimate loser, meaning, you know, doesn't get any worse than being sentenced to death by the Romans, executed as a common criminal, not being able to destroy the evil ones who are coming to get you, all and of that. And turning the other cheek. And turning the other cheek, this very peaceful, sweet, good-natured aspect that does not speak to the testosterone, your enemies come to you, chop your their head off and squash them kind of thing. 
to me and so many have been trying desperately to find a way to a muscular christianity to a tough and strong even though again jesus words don't really lead themselves to it in many ways because they are this very much more mellow love your enemy uh, turn the other cheek all of that kind of stuff type of message i feel that almost in order to get there you have to make room for a more uh, something that appeals to that instinct of uh, that easy simple instinct of somebody bad i need to punch them in the face somebody and even in terms of martial arts so to me is like take a guy like weshiba you know the creator of aikido the way he got to be the way he was was not then the way he trained other people and which is why hardly any aikidoka can even come halfway close to where weshiba was is because they are not trained the same way that weshiba trained for weshiba arriving to that point was the one step in this journey that he made passing through this hellfire of training like a madman in very aggressive tough fashion and discovering along the way that there's a another way to approach it and getting there People who try to start where he arrived without all of his journey just don't get there. You know, it just you can't do it. So to me, even like the whole uh, killer and lover thing is like, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's a fact what you're saying. There's no argument there. It's almost like you need to make in order to plant the seeds along the way so that people can follow you there. You need to make the character that is uh, messy that is a complicated mix of both aspects that has the killer side and chooses not to use it as opposed to you don't have it and so you are a sweet nice guy because you can be anything else like that because you don't have what it takes so you know this is an an excellent point and in fact we talked about it a while back when we talked about the yin and the yang and Mm -hmm. the hard and the soft and the anger and the uh, you know the inside um uh being a way for uh, powers that be to control us and the young side being uh, a way for us to empower. But uh, but any of these things, too much yin, yep. you become a passive nothing. You're a noodle. Right. Too much yang and you pop a vessel in your head. Yep. Right. So neither of those is good. And, you know, of course, when, when we talk about, when I write that thing about, you know, TV shows or movies or, you know, what our, our media heroes should be, um, there are actually... And there probably is, in fairness to media, there are more and more choices all the time. I'm not even talking about the web yet. I'm just talking, even if you just consider television mm-hmm. and the proliferation of cable stations and independent things, there's so many, so much different programming. So you can find what you want. You don't have to watch the guy, you know, hacking people. You don't have to watch Machete. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you can watch, uh, uh, you know, ER or a show about, you know, Sharp. a family or, you know, you can go see... Uh, you know, a, a chick flick and, and uh, be all warm and fuzzy. The point, I guess, is that it's not what the choices are, and it's not the mechanism for getting there that I was so addressing in that particular point, but rather what the what you referred to as the end result or the ideal should mm-hmm. be. And when, when you have entertainments that are about fighting, I mean, you know, I, I am an enormous fan of Chinese kung fu movies, one of the reasons I like them better than I like American action flicks is that I don't like seeing people get their heads blown off, but I like seeing skillful, amazing choreography, beautiful sets, and I like to see violence that is stylized to the point where I may know 
um, from, you know, bitter experience that, you know, you don't look and feel like that actually when you've been kicked in the head. Sure. However, <laughs> however, I still really, really enjoy the movie and I enjoy the beauty of it. And one of the things that I'm enjoying about the violence is the way that that kind of violence is used to propound and support a higher ideal. Sure. Uh, whether that ideal is loyalty, discipline, balance, training, harmony. And those kinds of things are largely lost in a lot of our no, I Western agree. I agree. One of my all-time MMA idols, Genki Sudo, who retired at, I think, 32 years old or something like that because he went to the bathroom. He saw a sign that say, take a step forward, which he didn't take it to mean don't pee on your feet, come a little closer. He took it to mean as, okay, I think I should be done with MMA. I should move on to something else. But aside from that story, <laughs> one of the things that's funny about Genki Sudo, he had these t-shirts, he had all these things that said, I'm a lover and a fighter. And I loved it. <laughs> you know, it was, that was part of his vibe. He was, he could throw down and then he was the male. He would always, you know, laugh and play and be very. Some of those guys, the one that I really enjoy the most, are the ones that walk the fine paradoxical line. Like Sakuraba was one of my idols, and when he opened up his gym, he called it laughter. You know, which martial art gym is called laughter, right? And this is a dude who just got in the ring with the meanest, toughest guys in the world, throw down. You know, we're not playing here. He went down really hardcore, and the guy is laughter, right? There's a scene, one of my favorite martial arts scenes of all times, in a match with uh, Hoyce Gracie, where at one point um, Sakuraba is trying to work a Kimura, Gracie's holding him from behind, and there's all this, he's fighting in this super tense fight that everybody's eyes have been on for in front of like 90,000 people or something. And at one point, like you can clearly see Sakuraba look into the camera and just smile at the cameraman in the middle of the action, right? In the middle of the fight, he's like winking at him and going like, am I not having a great time here? And it's just like, that to me is the beauty of that, being able to walk both sides. It's an enlightened guy you're describing. Right. Totally. Which is what I love. You know, in I as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about Tai Chi push hands, <clears throat> you know, there's nothing more disturbing or embarrassing for the Tai Chi player than to have a guy come off the street who doesn't know anything but is just big and strong and and apply force and 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 we fail to contend adequately right. with it. And and of course, you know, there is an argument that Tai Chi push hands, of course, is not fighting. Mm -hmm. And people who consider it to be fighting are you know, they're jerking themselves. Sure. It is, in fact, training for uh, a certain state of mind and body that will later allow you to become uh, a good fighter if that's your goal. And if not, it's really good for your health because it keeps you on an even keel, keeps that equilibrium, that wuji, in an ever-escalating series of challenges. But there's another side to this, too, which is that if... If you can't deal with that guy mm -hmm. and you're considering this a martial art and you want to learn it better and be able to really embrace, you know, the Tao, then you have to recognize that as part of that Tao, there are guys like that who are going to come in and pound on you. Sure. And so you have to, to the best of your ability, cleave to the principles not only because that's why you're there to train for principles of not meeting force with force and spiral movement and on and different things, 
balance, harmony, but also because they work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you can, if you can really not just haul off and roundhouse the guy, but if you can really use it the way it's supposed to be used, it will work, and right. it'll work against that guy beautifully. Right. And my teacher, who's the most stupendous fighter I've ever met, is a little unassuming guy, Master Yen. And I don't care how big and strong you are. I mean, I've seen him. You know, he probably doesn't want me to detail all this, uh, <laughs> but but I've seen him do amazing things with people who are much bigger and stronger and even faster than him mm-hmm. by cleaving to the principles. And so, you know, when you see it work, it's beautiful. So, can we? use special wisdom and tactics to fix the world without violence, but do the young, activist, strong, necessary work required right. to do that? Um, hopefully the answer is yes. Right. I think one thing we should definitely mention, this is all inclusive. Everybody's invited. No religion is, is not... No, absolutely not. Because don't you even say, you know, unless yeah, you yeah. until you cross the line to, to a violent... Meathead that's trying to force his religion down somebody's mm-hmm. throat. We're all in the same boat here. That's I, I, not I a religious group. It's a human group. Exactly. Right. And I just definitely wanted to mention yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I had an amazing uh, discovery of all things from Anthony Bourdain. He went to <laughs> Punjab, India to visit the Sikhs. I had no idea. Those guys are feeding 75 to 125,000 people a day. Just if you're willing to uh, walk through the water and clean your feet and put something on your head, they will feed any hungry person that comes to them to a capacity that when the um, when the tsunamis hit, they have like five months of food supply that they were able to ma- move massive amounts of food to really save a lot of folks. That's incredible. Now, why is every mega church in the United States right, not doing that. the bottom floor should be that very thing? And until nobody's hungry anymore, right. you don't get your tax break. And as an additional nod to your uh, uh, MMA uh, mm-hmm. examples, not only are the Sikhs in this context amazingly compassionate doing the work, right. but also they have a history of being the baddest asses in the area. Right. They have a By huge far. martial history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing swordsmen right. and, 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 and soldiers and bodyguards and fighters. Incredible. I think they always have a dagger on them. I think they're ready at any point. But that was really an eye-opener to know that. And I think they branched out from the, um, they were so against the caste system that that was their sort of, everybody is equal and we'll treat everybody as an equal until the rest of the country wakes up. We might have to kick your ass on occasion. It's all about waking up. Uh, One of the things that to me is, um, one thing that is key is that on one end you definitely want to get a group of like-minded people because that's how you get stuff done. But then obviously just so that it doesn't turn into a ghetto and you have, you know, kind of preaching to the choir of the other people who already agree with you and you just make them a little more organized and more effective, which is already is a good thing. But on top of it, in terms of mass change, trying to figure out ways to bring messages that are as easily digested from people from completely walks of life, whether religious, whether political, whether anything as possible, not because you should, simply because you get more stuff done if you can. Now, that's a lot easier said than done, clearly, because obviously there are certain people that are not going to be the most receptive to anything you throw at them, no matter how you couch it, you know, and that's the hard part. At the same time, it's kind of the same as just because 
it's not easy to use as little strength as possible while dealing with an aggressive threat in the case of martial arts does not mean that the idea, the theory is not perfect. It's just a matter of being able to apply it to an extremely high level, which sometimes is just not that easy. And sometimes you just can't. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes the only thing to do is just whack him as hard as you can. And there's no finesse to it in that regard. So to me, that's a tricky part of figuring out ways to make that happen. Like one thing that I brought up at one point on the podcast um, on an episode that may be released before, after this one. By now, we're lost in the chronology of our own podcast with pre-recording and stuff. But one thing that I brought up at some point is the whole idea in terms of campaign finance reform and people arguing about these things and, you know, Republicans trying to shut down all the fun, the money sources that goes to Democrats, Democrats trying to shut down all the money sources that go to Republicans. The thing that I was saying, only half-kidding, but not that much, is get rid of all the money you know the only political thing you can do is hop on a podcast or put stuff on a youtube channel which costs zero dollars and that's how you run politics any other way in which you have to spend money to run a campaign should be banned this is not because it appeals to one group of people or another the whole point being if you are not going that route that means you're just flat out pro-corruption. And it could be a pro-Republican corruption, a pro-Democrat. I don't care what label you want to attach to it. It's like anybody who doesn't want to jump up on the corruption bandwagon, either jump on this idea or come up with something that gets the same job done. You don't like this one? Come up with something else that works the same, that eliminates the the system of corruption from the game. To me, that's not a thing that should appeal to one particular set of people. It should appeal to anybody who does not have uh, $300 million in the bank through which they can buy a lot of political influence, whether on an individual level or the corporate level, which means 99.999999% of human beings. Figuring ways to deliver those kind of messages that are less, uh, you know, even when talking about environmentalism, the more you couch environmentalism in very tree-hugging terms that I may like, you know, I may dig in terms of sort of the spiritual beauty of nature, the philosophical connection with, I like it, but I also know that there's a limited segment of people who are going to jump on that. When you couch environmentalism in terms of purely dumb self-interest, a lot more people listen. We're not going to listen about, oh, you should be nice to animals or you should uh, find enlightenment in nature. They are going to listen if they think, oh shit, my kids are gonna die because of this, you know, just pure stupid, I think it's not one in alternative to the other, because you need both, that's the, you know, one is a better message that reaches less people, one is uh, not as ideal, but it reaches more people and may get stuff done Do you remember that you and I had this conversation in another context completely, not only on the last time we had a podcast, but also when you visited me in Florida we were talking at that time about the way Chinese martial arts are presented and whether we want to dilute or we want to keep the old traditional training methods. And right. we had, and we, we sort of, we, we, we kind of were forced to meet halfway on it because you had your point of view and I had mine and I understood what you were saying, but I still stubbornly felt that there was a lot of value to some of those old techniques for winnowing uh, out winnowing down, you know, the, the, the population to those people who are really going to do something uh, meaningful with this art, and that maybe it's true that it wasn't for everybody. And I have to say that I, I sort of feel similarly about this. 
um, which is that I, I really don't want to go in the direction of trying to appeal to absolutely everyone by appealing to their basest, simplest, most obvious instincts like they're not going to have any more tuna fish or mm-hmm. their kids are going to have a crappier life. I mean, I think, yes, that one can point those things out in the same way that one can deal with the guy that comes into the school and doesn't have any skill but just has a big fist and is young and strong and whatever. Um, but but it's still a better idea to try to cleave to the principles and to try to show through balance and harmony and, and the underlying highest philosophy about why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing here that this is a better way. And, and again, I agree that they're not mutually exclusive. I feel personally that this is why we each have our own path. My own personality, my language, my methods, and what I'm trying to achieve with spiritual SWAT, I accept will not be of interest to absolutely everybody out there. But I'm hoping that it will be of interest to enough people who are the quality and kind of people who can actually help meaningful change happen. I guess I agree. And in fact, ultimately, the answer is always both, right? Yeah. There are more than one path at the same time going on. My And not applied, just is not even applied to your stuff. It's more in general. What I'm sometimes my worry is, is that the um, creating a certain type of identity that appeals to some automatically creates a counter reaction by which that message will be uh, slowed down and ultimately made less effective than it's kind of like right before during a break right now in the recording. You were telling us a story. Maybe you want to bring that back up. Yeah. I, I, I will. And But let me just respond to this for a second. I, I completely hear what you're saying about creating a, a sort of a knee-jerk reaction, cr- completing, uh, creating polarity, creating a response which organizes the people who are doing precisely the things mm-hmm. that you are against. But what I'm feeling like, and maybe this is why I tried, I, I have a, my personal role on the website is so minimal. I feel like this project is the reaction. Right. Right. No, I get right? it. I feel I like the, I feel like the, the when I used the, the the metaphor of the pendulum, I feel like the pendulum has swung so far in another direction that I and what and this project are actually the response. I agree. And now let me play with you. Let me use your own logo on this. Right. Yeah. In your logo, you have this thing where you stick three fingers out, which unlike what we have with our <laughs> orgasm counting gnome, they don't stand for three orgasms, or maybe they do too, but. They, uh, there's the whole idea of the third way, you know, right. where you have one approach, the opposite approach, and something that evades the duality and manage to reconcile the two. That to me is, so what you're doing with this in some ways, both the second finger, and uh, at the same time, what we are also discussing is the possibility of a third finger, of having something that will... Uh, by the way, the sexual double meaning of all this stuff. So, I have a really hard okay, time to be able don't, to... Don't do it, don't do it, don't yes. do it. We're doing good work here. Okay. Don't start that now. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm speaking. We'll I'm do like, that later, not now. God. In any case. <laughs> not now, not yeah. now. 
And by the way, when they say do, doesn't mean we're actually gonna oh, do that. There we go. As just, soon as I said it, I knew you were gonna. You were going to. If, if, if you forgive me, you were going to seize on that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but you're gonna you're gonna grab that. There we go. <laughs> nice. Oh boy, nice. And then usually it's it's me chastising Rich for this stuff. And look All at right. look at what's happened you to see? me. Look at what you two have done to me. You see, trainable. Yeah. So trainable. actually, yeah, trainable. Slow, but trainable. Well, absolutely. The bald and slow. <laughs> So, so maybe I was surprised you said num- door number two because you know door number two is yielding. I thought you were going to say door number one, which right, which right. is the conflict. Yeah? But, but I mean, I think in in a lot of ways, um, the the spiritual SWAT thing is a door number three because I'm doing it as you know, it's sort of like crowdsourcing the idea, right? And and that's the that's the third door element of this to me. Um, I'm, there's no advocating violence. There's no follow me, follow me, I'm the guru here, I see things you guys don't see, blah, blah, blah. None of that. Right. It's rather, okay, these are things that are evidently going on. What do you think about this? How can we, you know, what can we do together? And I'm, I'm looking forward to being delighted by what I hope is a good response to this, but also by the creativity and suggestions of the people who want to participate. Sure. And to me, that's the third door. Yeah, because to me, like sometimes the key to getting some messages across is figuring out who is that person in front of me who reacts, you know, somehow this beautiful message that I hear, they don't hear it and they actually see it as bad and something to them to be stopped and da 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 da. How can I get through speaking that person language and that appealing to their values? What can I find in their values that will get we do get them on board with something that benefits everyone. It's kind of like the Christian thing we were saying earlier, rather than just saying, you know, Christian environmental theology sucks, which the way traditionally was interpreted, it did. Somebody who is Christian in this sense, speaking that language, uses the very same Bible to show a completely different approach to environmentalism, which can get a lot more people on board than I could by saying, well, that's just a bad message, and instead this should be a much better message, you know, that kind of right, thing. Right, so, so my method here was to create a manifesto of 108 points, which casts an incredibly wide net across economics, and we haven't talked about any of that stuff, but economic, social, environmental religious, philosophical, uh, political, all kinds of points. It's very wide, and I'm hoping that that, you know, that's sort of my version of the third door. I get all kinds of people involved. The, the story that you were referring to was that, you know, I live, in a, I live in South Florida, and in order to get to my modest abode, you have to go by a, 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 a small strip of road on which, along which are parked, you know, on one side... There are 40, 50,000 square foot, zillion dollar beach mansions, and right across the street from them are, you know, one, two, three, four hundred foot behemoth yachts. And I watch what they spew into the water in which I will try to later swim. And I watch the uh, jet skis zooming around, uh, and I watch the manatees being hit by propellers and and killed or maimed, and I watch all the stuff going on, and then I go and I go have, have a swim in the beach, and there's a layer of oil and gas on top of the ocean, and so I I, I start a petition um, a year or two ago, which got exactly zero signatures, and the and the petition was to ban power boats in the state of Florida, and one of my students saw it and wrote me a uh, an email 
got Amish? And so, you know, my response was, actually, there's a lot I respect and admire about the Amish, um, and and I'm privileged to be associated with them in this regard, but what I'm talking about has nothing to do with the Amish. It has to do with where do you get the idea that just because you're a zillionaire, you have the right to crap up the water and the beach where everybody else goes swimming and they can't breathe and the fish die and the coral reefs die. And that's why I say Ben. And so I have a very clear idea why. Right. And on that, I guess, the um, perhaps the way to go about somebody with that reaction would be to try to figure out, you know, what is that they are opposed to? What is that they say, I want to have the right to have uh, all the fun I want in the water and I want, don't want you to bust my balls about anything. In the fun, in the water and everywhere else. Right. On earth. Right, exactly. And With resources. Precisely. And so in that case, it's like, sure, I agree with you. I understand. I, I'm, I'm on board with you. I want to do the exact same thing. The problem becomes with these it spoils the fun in this and this aspect and what can we do without getting the negative side of just swimming in ocean of oil that fuck you up and you can go for a swim and all of that kind of stuff because you know if i peel it with the manatee the guy would tell me well screw you i don't care fuck the manatee uh, i chop him up for breakfast and i'll eat him later and i don't care and i manatee omelet right it's like my god-given american right to be able to chop up manatees for breakfast that's how it goes if you put it more on uh, for you having fun on the water and things that limit it, maybe. And again, it's not that easy because if it was that easy, if, if it was just one passage, yeah, as things would get done a lot easier. You probably have to have 18 passages like that right. to try to walk it closer and closer. But so, I'm thinking, again, and not as an alternative because what I'm saying is everything that you're saying, it's that on the money. And I agree with, you know. But I'm thinking as a dual strategy. They're sort of the insider strategy and the outsider strategy. And uh, the, the reason why I think probably we need a boat is just numbers, you know, that the insiders only reach so many. That's right. And, you know, one, one discussion is, of course, about the size of the pie mm-hmm. and the fact that there is a pie. Okay, you want to be able to do everything you want. You want to have everything you want. You want this this limitless, unsustainable, great traditional American holy grail capitalist model of no limits. Everybody can have everything as long as you can work for it, get it, blah, blah, blah. That's fine if you're in a universe that is has a non-zero sum. Right. That if you are, if, if there is no pizza, if there is no cake, if there is no pie, there's, there's a zillion pies and there's enough for everyone. But the truth is that there is a pie, and it is a rock hanging in space, and it's delimited by its mass and its diameter and its circumference, and there's a certain amount of stuff on it, and we have to share it. Right. Otherwise, you get it all and I get none, or if you're not, and you're going to like this even less, I get it all and you get none. Right. And if you are the manatee or if you are the little fish, you have very little voice in this. If you are the... A uh, guy who, whose car breaks down on that, you know, fifty zillion dollar mile, and you're just trying to change a tire, and all of a sudden the cops are all around you. Like, what are you doing here? Well, I just, I mean, I'm just put the tire there. Yeah. Uh, then, then you're not liking the fifty thousand square foot house so much, and you're not liking that right. not so much. So, you know, that that's the answer to you know why ban the powerboats. And of course, your point about not 
picking something quite so inflammatory as banning power boats, but rather let's power them by wind or let's power them. Let's sure. do, let's come up with a solution. I'm I'm all over that. But again, over and over again, I come back to the same thing with this concept, which is that when the pendulum has swung that far, right. There was no third door there. There was no rational thing. So we're just trying to get it to swing back to a middle place of balance and harmony. And that's what makes the whole thing Taoist. No, and I agree. And I agree. My thing is, how do we make it swing? Because sometimes, you know, just pushing is like Tai Chi, right? You push too hard, opposing force too hard is not going to get... your own balance. Right. It's not going to get the job done as much as redirecting. Something that I'm guessing that Mr. Rosenfeld knows a couple of things about, right? Because that's what you do day and night, you know? That's, that's your practice, nonstop. Things you want to add before... Because, you know, I keep hearing, as we talk... I keep hearing this voice, not the demon this time. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not the kill the bold demon. Now I'm hearing a different voice. Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. Now what I'm hearing in the distance is the voice of a plate of pad thai that's saying, eat me, yes. eat me. Agreed. Come to the restaurant yeah. and eat Let's me. Let's go. So, yeah, anything before we give in to the voice of pad thai? Uh, spiritualswat.org. Mm-hmm. Right, spiritualswat.org. Um, nothing to sell you, um, nothing to do there except go and enjoy it and click a little button if you like it that says, I, you know, I support this, I join up and we just want numbers and then we'll start the fora and we'll do all the other things we talked about. But good fun, please come and check it out. Beautiful. Rich? No, I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I thank you for sending me the advanced copy and I noticed you didn't even bother to ask if I was on board because I think you knew when you sent it I what the knew. answer was going to be. I knew when I said it's that. awesome, guys, and it's a great opportunity for us to do something. If you want to do something, this is where it starts. You know, the discussion begins. Uh, the, the idea of the forums is a great idea because the whole concept of this sort of hive mind getting its teeth into it and just chewing away on it, the good ideas will pop out. There'll be plenty of kajillion of bad ideas, but I think yeah. when we start plucking those great the ones actual, out of there. The action, not just the good ideas, but It's the very action. exciting. And one last thing, I just had to mention that there's studies coming out right now that after the oil disaster, the BP rig, the dispersants did more damage than the oil did. It's the same every time. Right, 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 right. So That's... let's stop doing stupid things and start doing smart things. What a concept. Wow. There we go. I agree. Pat Thank time. you, gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming. Can, can I ask you what's going on in China? So I have a Chinese publisher that has some interest in my work. I'm going to have a little meeting with them, and then I'm going to go and spend time um, in the mountain mon- monasteries. I'm going to visit my abbot in, in uh, Guangzhou and the monastery there, the Puryang Chunyang. And then I'm going to go up to Chengdu and make a little pilgrimage to uh, uh, some of the monasteries up there and uh, enjoy myself for a few weeks and with my brother monks and then come back. Do they get hassled by the government quite the way they used to, or is it the lessening a bit? You know, there, there, there's always been a little bit of a secret society thing going on with Taoists, because if you look at Chinese history, um, you know, in the very beginning, the emperors and everybody was a Taoist, and then with the rise of Buddhism and other special interests came in, and there were times when uh, the Taoists were uh, discriminated against, and then, of course, when the communists took over, all religion was out, and everybody was underground, and so I, I, I really the only thing I want to say about that is that I'm very grateful that, uh, that they let me in.
want to tell you, the man is out to save the world. Arthur Rosenfeld, a.k.a. Yunro. Spiritual SWAT, S-W-A-T, like, you know, SWAT, but special wisdom, not weapons. So that's Yunro. Check it out. The whole manifesto's out up there. Um, there's not too many things that are all that disagreeable, so give a give a look. I think what I like about his idea the most is that folks will be invited to kind of, you know, for me, it would definitely be the oceans. I think that's the one I'd kind of grasp onto. And plenty of room for everybody to find the thing that interests them the most, get their feet wet, and starting to help them make the place be a better place. Can you imagine that? Reduce suffering? Wow. Wow. What a concept. Let's see. Quickly to get us out of here. Audible books, you know how it works. You go to audible.com, you can select a book to listen to. Books on tape are wildly popular for folks that like podcasts, even though I think podcasts are a little bit better. But, you know, maybe a tiny bit biased. But it's more than that. There's old radio shows, uh, all kinds of stuff for you to check out. So audible.com, give it a try. If you like it, you can keep going. If you don't, uh, you've got your free book, and that's the end of it. Daisy House Music. The guys behind the awesome rhythms and jam that gets us in and out of every episode. Thanks so much to you guys. I hear there's a new record out, so check out some Daisy House music and see if you like the new stuff. And finally, Karakova chocolates. Healthy chocolates? It almost doesn't even seem right. But the, uh, I guess you'd call it like a, an almond joy because it's coconut and chocolate, but supposedly way better for you than the stuff that the uh, giant mega corporations are cranking out for you. And it is quite delicious. So check it out, get you some chocolate, and tell them that the Drunken Tower sent you. All right, guys, that's it. We will see you real soon. Bellelli's back in the chair. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, and don't forget to keep spreading the word. <laughs> And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In questo cazzo, in questo caso le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> This was great. Fucking awesome. My grandfather was the Tillmore Jew. Every time he had a chance to tell more, if you ask him a question, he'll give you a short answer. But if you give him a chance, he'll tell more. <laughs> Get back to work.